Welcome to Joe Bates Explains Edinburgh. Hi, I'm Joe Bates and welcome to the third part of my guide to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. It's the weekend now and in Edinburgh that means lots and lots of people. The city is completely packed with fans of comedy, fans of culture, fans of walking really slowly and stopping suddenly. And no one is speaking at all, like every single person is just constantly laughing to themselves, thinking about the hilarious shows they've just been to. It's quite unnerving, actually, to begin with, but once you get used to it, it's quite nice to see. And it's been a very busy couple of days for me since we last spoke. Uh, Amongst other things, I saw a great set by Tim Renkow at the Monkey Barrel. Uh, I saw my first ever piece of physical theatre by Elsa Kovra, who was on the show the other day. And I saw a brilliant show by a group called Stealth Aspies, who I've interviewed for the show today. But in the last couple of days, I've also realised that Edinburgh can be a tough place. I hit a bit of a low yesterday evening when I got a pint of lager at an outdoor bar thinking it was connected to a venue I was about to see the comedian John Kearns in but it turns out it wasn't so the bouncer said I had to drink it all before going in in like five minutes. That would have been a blow at any time really but I was already feeling quite vulnerable because I'd bought two tickets for the John Kearns show because they were two for one. But I wasn't able to find anyone to go with, so I ended up paying £14 to go alone, lagerless, to a John Kearns show that I'd already seen. Uh, that's the reason. The only reason I was going was because it was two for one. Um, I'd already seen the show, and the only difference this time was the show was a lot more half-assed. So it was a bit disappointing. Uh, Russell Howard was in the audience for that show, actually. Uh, I bet he was allowed to bring his drink in from outside. But that was, on, that was just one low amongst many, many highs, and this show features some of them highs. So as I mentioned, I'll be speaking to two members of the Stealth Aspies group who are sharing their own and others' experience of being on the autistic spectrum in a show here at The Fringe. Uh, I also caught up with LA comedian John Flanagan, who's running a stand-up show, giving comedians a chance to share both their dirtiest and cleanest material, comedy material, not fabric, and Karen Hauger, whose play The Last Hive looks at the decline in the bee population. Also, we'll have an update on my own quest to perform in Edinburgh, and I'll have a preview of some of the shows that I'm bringing to Edinburgh in 2019. So let's get started. Paul Waddy and Sarah Said are two members of the group Stealth Aspies, they're performing a show at The Fringe called Autistic People Talking, where they share their own experiences and the experiences of others through a series of monologues and poems. I saw it yesterday and found it a really moving and funny show. And before that, I chatted to Paul and Sarah to learn more about Stealth Aspies. I have two shows. One of which is Gorilla Aspies, which is a four-year-old neurotransformational audience autism conversion show. It's unique in the world. It's basically self-advocacy. A lot of people don't realize there's a whole global underground of autistic adults out there in every country. My show is a kind of a scrapbook of opinions and attitudes from our subculture and what I personally understand to be true about what it is to be autistic and in order to demonstrate that to the audience I convert the audience stage by stage using PowerPoint, charisma, films and a bit of music with a bunch of people known as the Aspie Choir who do mono, 
monotonal um, OCD focused repetitive versions of famous songs every now and again, including a horrendous version of a genre called Bump and Grind. It is funny. It's not about being disabled at all. And it's audience interactive because autistic people just talk to themselves because they're not interested in other people and they, they interrupt, they keep the phones on. So I get the audience to do that as well. So you can talk to me all the way through if we've got time. It isn't actually like anything else you've ever seen. In order to give other autistic people a chance to actually get a word in edgeways, uh, two years ago I, I met the acquaintance of the beautiful because that's you, when you introduce a woman you don't say you know, intelligent and full of integrity, Sarah Saeed, you say the beautiful Sarah Saeed. Apparently that's the way that's done, yeah. Yeah, but personally I quite like the second way. So yeah, <laughs> hi, thanks. So yeah, I'm Sarah. I'm part of the Stealth Aspies show. This is our second year up at the Fringe and um, there's another chap and another girl in, uh, in the cast. Um, we're all late diagnosis on the spectrum. Um, and we're sharing different people's late diagnosis experiences that aren't our own. So we're speaking other people's words, um, and also we have some poets in the company, we're sharing some of their poetry, um, but it is all absolutely 100% autistic people's words about our experiences. Oh, that's which great. Is, yeah, it's, it's pretty lovely, and yeah. it feels great in front of our audiences because... It's a really, really unusual experience for them. They never get to hear that normally. People in the audience are often moved to tears, aren't they, Sarah? Mm. That happens. I mean, they do laugh as well. There's, yes. there's, co there's comedy in it. There's comedy, I mean, yeah. I know we're not known for having um, sense of humour from the spectrum. Apparently we don't have them. No, we don't. That's not true. We're dispelling that myth as well as many others. I run a comedy night and everyone else is really just like, it's funny poetry and things. And so we're dispelling a few of those myths. There's lightness in it as well, massively. But yeah, we've made a few people cry in, yeah. in, in lovely, you know... In, they see in, themselves, in, don't they? Yeah. They find themselves in what we're doing. Absolutely. They never thought they'd ever find their own life experiences in it. Because yeah. all life is about masking, which is a, a phrase that's quite trendy in the autistic community at the moment, isn't it? Because Sarah and I don't know where the, the truth ends and the act begins half the time pretending to be something we're not. Yeah. Yeah, you get used to... Uh, the, this idea of masking mm. is the idea that... There's a lot of autistic people um, that are out there in the world just trying to look like they can handle it yeah. in order to be able to get through the day, try and do a job, all of those things. So we talk very much about what's behind the masking, don't yeah. we really? And yeah, what's really going on for people. Yeah. And also we try to be quite honest on stage about the things that if there's something that we're struggling with a little even if it's something like the lights are difficult or, you know, we address those things for our audience yeah. and for ourselves so that it's just like a super comfy space. And um, how have you, uh, both of you found the, you're, you're a veteran and you're, it's your second one, how have you found the Edinburgh experience so far? I really enjoy it, actually. If you feel stressed, as I a little bit do today, you just come home and keep quiet. As much as I can keep quiet. Mm. <laughs> All the energy I've got, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> and you come down. We are the kind of autistic people who will battle hardened veterans. We kind of, when I was younger, I thrived in these environments and quite enjoyed them. Now I'm getting on a bit. I've become quite a normal autistic person, relatively vulnerable to things. You get all psyched up and anxious. But I'm so good at handling it. You just, you know, just walk off on somewhere quiet and get over it. Mm -hmm. A lot of us can't recover that quickly. A lot of us couldn't even walk into a situation like this. Is there is a hierarchy of... They talk about high and low functioning, which is a great insult. I mean, are you a high functioner or a low functioner? 
in general, no. exactly. Uh, in what respect? I mean, I can't juggle. I tell you the tragedy <laughs> of my life. Talk about functionality. Four years of private tuition in school, I'm still no good at maths. I'm a failed autistic. Same here. <laughs> yeah. I had tutors. Maths is not yeah. my thing. Yeah. Words were my thing. So that's yeah. another thing that we talk about. We're bad at being autistic. People, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people that are autistic are good at maths yeah. and science and systematic thinking. And actually, we really do vary. Yeah. That's not yeah. always the case. Absolutely. I'm massively wordy. Rubbish with numbers. Always have been. Um, but yeah, it's the, the show is about the fact that we're all really varied as well. Thanks so much uh, for both of you for chatting to me. Um, and yeah, have a good rest of the run. Thank you. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, you. <laughs> Thank you to Paul and Sarah from the Stealth Aspies there. Their show's on until Thursday 16th of August at 1pm at Bar 50. And from Friday the 17th to Sunday the 26th, Paul is performing his solo show, Gorilla Aspies, at the same time and venue. If you've been following the narrative arc of this series, you'll know that I quit my job to make it as a comedian in Edinburgh, but then forgot to book anywhere to perform. It almost sounds like the setup for an Edinburgh show, but by definition it can't be, because if I was doing an Edinburgh show about it, it then wouldn't be true, and unfortunately it is. But watching other comedians do shows here has given me an insight into what it takes to create an Edinburgh show. A lot of comedians here are doing a show that's themed around something unusual or unexpected that happened to them say, like a breakup or some sort of unlikely adventure that took place exactly six months before the festival, which gave them the exact right amount of time to develop it into a show. Now I'm not saying that these comedians contrived these things so they had an interesting story to pull people in at the Edinburgh Festival, but if you do know a comic, don't be surprised if early next year they start doing things like deliberately getting on the wrong train or constantly trying to convince their partner to cheat on them. Initially, when I realised this, I thought, well, I wouldn't have been able to do an Edinburgh show anyway because nothing really happens to me. But then I saw a poster for Robin Morgan Honeymoon, a show which has the following blurb. July, Robin gets married. Three days later, he goes away for a month without his wife. Not exactly the ideal honeymoon, as is revealed in this hilarious show. Seeing that poster inspired me. If that can be a theme for an hour-long comedy show, Anything can. And come to think of it, two things did happen to me this year, and one thing happened to me about eight years ago. All of which I could definitely turn into shows next year if I lie about when they happened. So I'm going to bring three Edinburgh shows to the fringe next year, and as listeners to this podcast, you'll be able to hear previews of them all during the next two episodes. But first, back to the interviews. Karen Herger is performing a show called The Last Hive throughout the Fringe. It's an epic journey of a honeybee trying to save his world, told using dreams, physical theatre, comedy and shadow puppetry. I caught up with Karen to find out more about it. It's uh, the Romit and Juliet uh, bee version. Okay. So we play bees, 
but um, it put it in like a context of uh, yeah Romeo and Julia, and then uh, the main character he goes out on a trip to. Uh, do like a mission for his queen and on this mission he meets like a extremist uh, bee that tried to radicalize him towards the humans and a sex addict bee and a military drone oh. so like it's some bee politics in here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a comedy with this more serious message maybe yeah about the plight of the bees Yes, and about, uh, well, I love uh, terrorism, or <laughs> I find it extremely interesting how um, people become radical. That's why we try to radicalize this person towards the humans. Uh, so it's about environmental bits and also of like um, what we often say that we will do, but what we don't do. But then also like in the end, it's the love. Yeah, oh, that's nice. And I'm going to just clarify, when you say you love terrorism, it's in like a sort of interest and academic sense. Yes, absolutely. That's good. Uh, I won't lead with that quote. Um, and Karen, you were telling me this is your third fringe. Um, what have you done here before and where have you come from? I'm from Norway and uh, I had two other shows here. One that was a storytelling solo show. Um, that was based on a trip when I followed some Syrian refugees from the beach of Lesbos. And then I dressed up as a refugee and walked through them with them through Germany. So on that journey, we traveled with mafia and I got sent to court and a lot of things happened. So I made first a storytelling version. But then I, uh, I went to like this clown school called Galier um, in Paris. And for my class, it's loads of people that have shows here. So seeing them just playing and have fun, we figure out just throw the script for the storytelling version. And then the next year, we came back uh, with like a clown show that's also called Undercover Refugee. Um, same story, but just uh, way more like comedy. So people get very surprised how they can switch from cry to laughing too. And uh, Karen, it's, you've got uh, a full show, uh, a full run here at Edinburgh, so obviously time-wise that must take up a lot of it. Um, have you had any time to look around to see any other shows that you would recommend? I've seen some shows. Gary Starr. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Check, uh, check, 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 check him out. <laughs> uh, Muan, I can't remember his second name. Muan Rizwan. Yes. All oh, right. yeah, I went to see that the other day. Yes. Uh, yeah, he, he's very good. Yes. Yeah? yeah, that's a good one. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I love him. Yes, oh, him. Yes. Um, but, uh, well, Karen, thanks very much for coming on to uh, Joe Bates Explains Edinburgh today. I hope you have a good run and uh, have a good one with your plate. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. Uh, thanks to Karen for chatting with me there. Um, you can see The Last Hive at Zoo Southside every day at 10 past 4. Shows that I'm going to bring to the Edinburgh Festival in 2019. Show 1. NHS. How Pissing Blood Helped Me Fall Back In Love With Our Health Service. Summary of the show. I hadn't been to the doctors in years. In truth, I thought those who did go were weak. But then one morning, I found myself pissing blood and that's something I never normally do.
I went straight to the doctor, described my symptoms, and they said, Oh, I see. Blood piss. Well, I'm afraid we're going to have to put a camera up your dick. I didn't like the sound of that, because it sounded really pricey. But the doctor reassured me and said, Don't be silly. We've got the NHS, remember? I still thought there had to be some sort of catch. But no. Not only did he put a camera up my dick for free, he gave me a prostate exam immediately afterwards in what was undoubtedly the most action-packed five minutes of my life. Afterwards, I tried to hand him 20 quid, but he said, keep your money, friend, and I immediately burst into tears from a combination of love for our health system and a feeling of being completely violated by it. It turns out there was nothing wrong with me, but my Edinburgh show will see me travelling around the world and asking how much it is to put a camera up my dick, unless it's actually better in some countries. For example, like if I find somewhere where not only is it free, you get stickers for doing it like you used to at the dentist. I'll conclude that the NHS is the best. To huge tears from audiences and rave reviews from critics that say, not only am I great, I'm a hero for demystifying and destigmatizing the whole camera up the dick process. John Flanagan's an American comedian who runs a night called Trigger Warning, LA's most and least offensive comedy show. He's brought the show to Edinburgh. I caught up with him to chat more about it, and also to share a dirty joke that I'd come up with, which I'm expecting to be in the running for Joke of the Festival. It's a stand-up show with um, different comedians every night on this doing sets, and then they each do a first set of their cleanest, least offensive material, and then come back and do a second set of their dirtiest, most offensive material. So it's kind of like, uh, it's just a, a chance so comedians could kind of go and just do, you know, we all have jokes that don't fit in our sets. Maybe they're too dirty or maybe they're too clean and we usually work dirty. So this is kind of like a, spa a safe space for comedians to come and just say and do as, have as much fun as they want kind of thing. That's at a place called the Cludy Dumpling. It's right off the mile on one of those little small close streets. It's uh, at, um, it's down, what's it called? Stamp Office Close. It's one of the little small alleyways right next to a whiskey shop on the Wait. mile. That's at 10.15 to 11.15 every night. Great. Yeah, different comedians each night. It's a lot of fun. Lot so, of fun. It sounds great. Uh, how clean or how dirty has it got? Has it ever got too clean? <laughs> no, no, not too clean. Although sometimes there's jokes. There's like, it's more like... Uh, that we laugh because it's so dumb. All right. You know, and I was like, it's not like it's making it's like it's so clever. We just like, ah, all right, that's funny because it's dumb, you know. Yeah. And then uh, it doesn't ever get too dirty, no. And um, you've come over from America. Uh, whereabouts are you from America? Uh, Los Angeles is where I stay, and um, I do the show I, I'm doing here. We is a monthly show in Los Angeles as well, and that's why I brought it over here to do it. And you, it sounds like you're here for the full run, and you're doing a show every night. That sounds like a lot. It is a lot. It's been a lot. Uh, I mean, just the show I'm doing every night, and then I'm doing other people's shows like twice a day, and it's just getting... But it's been so much fun. I, I love it. Uh, and the, I even can't have a new joke just from being here. Like, oh, just about Scottish people. It's a lot of fun. Just about, I, it's, it's a dumb joke, but I just say I like Scotland's kind of like a, a frat party that decided to become a country. And then I have a couple of tag jokes to go with that kind of thing. 
I bet the Scottish like that. Oh, yeah. It's sort of um, yeah, it's a real like feel like a party atmosphere here, doesn't they're it? It's pr- quite they're a, proud of their drinking. Of party, course, I think. yeah, I think we all are. Um, but do you have any? Uh, have you had any experiences of Edinburgh? Have you got any recommended shows outside of your own? Or um, there's a American comedian Ari Shafir who I want to see here. Who I know he has a show here called Jew. Um, and then uh, yeah, there's some other stuff. Tate Face I hear is really popular here and <clears throat> other fringe festivals. Um, yeah, there's some good shows. Great, uh, thanks for the recommendations. Um, sorry, this is quite self-indulgent, um, but I do stand-up comedy as well. Uh, my material is uh, very clean, really. I, I say the word shit, but that's as far, <laughs> far as it goes. But I've got one dirty joke that I came up with on the Canal Path walkway, okay. and I want to try it out. Should I go? Yeah, yeah. The thing about rough sex is it's fucking hard. The little one-liner, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's fucking hard. Yeah. Just by definition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks. Uh, I've just I haven't managed to book any shows, so uh, I just have to crowbar in my material into this uh, podcast. But uh, thanks for humoring, jo- uh, John, and uh, good luck for the rest of the run. Thank you, thank you. Good luck. Uh, enjoy. I hope you have fun while you're here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. What a great joke. And thanks a lot to John there for chatting to me. His show Trigger Warning is here every night of The Fringe at 10.15pm at the Clutie Dumpling. Well, we've come to the end of the show and I know what you're thinking. Joe, have you got an update on your quest to perform here at the Edinburgh Festival before you leave tomorrow? Well, I'm sorry, but unfortunately there just isn't one. Like, nothing has come up. Like, I had one awkward exchange over Facebook with a promoter where I was just intending to ask details of her night, but which I think she interpreted as me trying to trick her into thinking that I was already on the bill of the night. That sort of went cold. I don't think I'll be hearing from her again, ever. And the one other thing was I got a suggestion to message a venue on Twitter for a spot, but I couldn't work out which one was their main Twitter account, uh, so I just give up. I've got one more day left, and it's genuinely looking like my ambition to perform here is a lost cause. Unless... Wait a minute, what, what did Julian Lee say in the first episode again? I've got a compilation, compilation show in the afternoon which is called Delegation at 3.30 at Bourbon Bar. Compilation show, compilation show, compilation show. A compilation show? Maybe I could do my five minutes of political comedy at his compilation show? He's probably going to be fully booked, but I need to give it one last shot, so I'm going to email Julian right now. Tune in tomorrow to find out whether I, Joe Bates, can become a real-life Edinburgh Fringe performer. And if you're not bothered about that, because why would you be, really? There's also more reviews, news and interviews with people from across the festival. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.